Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found. Hey there, thanks for joining us on AF Fireside. I'm excited to be joined in the hot seat today by Michael Peltzer. He runs the show at Adelante Shoe Company, and they're based in Guatemala. And the funny thing about him is he's also based in Guatemala. So I'm really excited to talk to someone that uh, believes in the power of ethical outsourcing so well that he moved his life there. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Luke. How's, uh, how's life been in the pandemic in another country? It's been interesting. Um, you know, I can't complain too much. Uh, Guatemala is sunny and 70 pretty much every single day. Uh, okay. Land of eternal spring. So plenty of fresh air and whatever else uh, makes it easier to social distance. But overall, it's it's been an okay experience. Okay. All right. I think feel like an okay experience is all that any of us can really ask for these yeah. days. <laughs> Better than most. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, why don't you give a high-level overview of the brand uh, for folks that aren't familiar with you yet? Sure. Yeah, so Adelante Shoe Company, um, we are a made-to-order, direct-to-consumer footwear and accessory company. Um, Our kind of motto here is we do any length, any width, and you can personalize your pair of shoes. Um, We connect you with the cobbler who makes them. So we're located down here in Pastores, Guatemala, It's about 20 minutes outside of Antigua, just a beautiful little serene town full of shoemakers and bootmakers. We employ right now about 80 artisans, um, hand-making shoes directly for any any customer. So when you put in your order, um, you actually get experientially connected with the person who makes your shoes. This is through video, um, you know, biographies and and whatever else. It's a kind of a new way to do um, footwear and manufacturing. It's a a highly connective experience. Totally. I mean, you're making a, a pretty big wor- world feel a little bit smaller. Exactly. That is really cool. How did how did that all come to be? Yeah. So um, Peter, the CEO and founder, he um, he moved here after Honduras to Guatemala. Was passing through, kind of had a business idea in mind, wanted to be social impact focused, um, and saw Pastores, this beautiful little town, you know, nestled in the in the foothills around Antigua. Um, where there's a bunch of people making really high quality footwear. Um, They're only selling to the domestic market here in Guatemala um, and thought, well, maybe we can introduce this to the U.S. So, you know, from there, took a few styles to the U.S., got them appraised, um, you know, by people who actually knew about footwear. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they were like, these are really good shoes. Um, So that's kind of how the idea started. We did a Kickstarter campaign back in fall of 2016 um, and then really started, you know, bringing everything in house and, and forming the company as it is today in the beginning of 2018. Wild. So how did you find yourself involved? 
So I actually met Peter um, prior to Adelante um, in Honduras. So him and I had both uh, worked at the same nonprofit school in San Pedro Sula. Um, I was just a generation behind him in that, in that group of teachers. He was back there visiting. We hit it off, stayed in touch. Um, after Honduras, I'd moved to DC, was doing some consulting work there. Um, we reconnected and I got involved from there. Wow. Very cool. And yeah. now you're so involved that you live in Guatemala. <laughs> you told me before you hit, you hit record that you're originally from upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So obviously a huge, huge change of pace for you. Sounds like you have a traveling spirit uh, in you anyway, and that's probably part of it. But tell me about what that was like to, to make the move. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'll, I'll go rewind a little bit. So sure. after, after college, um, you know, I'd, I'd studied Latin American studies. Um, I'd spent some time working in the nonprofit space or interning in the nonprofit space in DC. Um, and I was applying for a job I really, really wanted. Um, this was with a nonprofit and based out of DC and uh, got to the final round of interviews and, and missed out on the opportunity because uh, I didn't have any international experience. Um, so I overreacted immediately and moved to San Pedro Sula, which at the time was pretty hairy, um, mm -hmm. still is. Um, so I could get that international experience, uh, moved there. Um, and then, uh, you know, post Honduras back to DC, got introduced with, to, to Peter, um, began working on the company more on the marketing and sales side. Um, so I, you know, handled elements of our digital marketing and, and whatever else and realized that my knack was more towards like the numbers, figures and processes side of things. So sure. I'd come down a couple of times to help improve production and whatever else really fell in love with Guatemala um, and just decided, well, rather than living in the cold of Boston, I'm going to move down here where it's sunny and 70 every single day. It's amazing. I, I imagine, uh, and, and this is my, this is me personifying your life here. I imagine like in the fast <laughs> and the furious when they have to run after they've, after they've like done a huge heist and they go and live in a South American country <laughs> and they're just yeah. they have, what is, maybe that's not what your life is like, but what, what <laughs> is <laughs> outside of, um, you know, the work that you do for the brand, obviously I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure that that work is pretty similar to what someone that has a base in the United States company does. What's mm -hmm. your life? How is your life different now? You know, yeah. as a human, I think, I think it's, it just feels more comfortable. Um, right. You know, we're, we're still a small and growing company. Um, you know, cost of living here is, is much less than, you know, being located in New York or a Boston or sure. any of those bigger areas in the U S. Um, and beyond that, Guatemala is just a beautiful country, right? You know, you, you have a, a Pacific and an, an Atlantic coast, you have crazy changes of, of terrain and landscape, you know, beautiful lagoons and cenotes, which are those, you know, big blue pools that you see oh, mountains cool. and volcanoes, right? It's, it's just an incredible place. And there's so much here and so much to explore. Um, so for me, I mean, I really enjoy just being able to leave work on a Friday, hop in the car and drive to, you know, some massive, beautiful lake, um, you know, shielded by volcanoes and, and spend a weekend there, right. Wow. Or, you know, drive out to the coast an hour and a half to the Pacific and three hours to the Atlantic, right. You know, whatever direction I want to go, there's always something to do. Um, so I, I think for me, it's, it's really just quality of life improvement. It's so much more fun here. Wild. Do you have a, um, I assume after, after a couple of years, you, you have a good community that surrounds you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, Antigua has a bit of a draw to it. Um, there's, there's quite the like entrepreneurial space here. Um, you know, we kind of found this first coming down here, um, our logistics providers, they ended up kind of being, becoming really, really good friends. 
Um, and they helped introduce us to a broader entrepreneurial community where you meet all these cool people, you know, expats is, and Guatemalans and, and people from all over the world who've kind of centered in this weird little community and are doing weird and interesting things, right? There's, you know, freshwater startups and solar startups, AI technology and, and VR and metaverse stuff. What we do, it's it's a spectrum of, of totally different companies doing totally different things. And you don't expect a uh, this old colonial Spanish town with cobblestone streets to have so much innovation and, and kind of forward thinking, con- you know, contained within it. You make it sound pretty good, man. <laughs> you make it doors always open doors always open okay all right <laughs> all right don't tote tote me wild so um to what degree are you involved in like the, the day-to-day manufacturing op- operations yeah um uh intimately um okay. so cool. yeah yeah so i'm i'm down here every single day um i'm in the workshop right now i'm in my in my office here um nice. so where our administrative and manufacturing operations are all on the same property um right next door to each other um, cool. So anytime I've got five, 10 minutes between uh, different meetings or calls or something like that, I take a stroll out to production and, you know, poke around at things and, and scowl at stuff and whatever else. Um, cool. So I would say that, yeah, yeah. Lots of very intimately involved, you know, we have a, a unique process, you know, most manufacturing, how it's traditionally done, it's, uh, you know, work orders, right? You have a production order of a certain number of units of a specific skew. It's it's like big batch production. Um, we're production orders of one, right? Every single thing that we manufacture has a given order associated with it, right? That requires such intricacy and detail that the movement of our operations and our processes require, you know, it's like a very well choreographed dance. Um, and if if, you know, one person slips up, then it kind of falls down the line. So it's very, very interesting to kind of, you know, pull all those levers and twist all those knobs uh, to, to see production kind of flow through its different processes. That uh, must have taken some time to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd say we're, we're definitely still figuring it out. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's made to order production is, um, it's cool, right? It unlocks all these elements of innovation, um, personalization, Right. You know, it's how we're able to, to make you a pair of shoes with a different left and right foot size and how we're able to change the stitch color and sole color and leather colors and all these different parts, you know, put your initials inside of it, connect you with the person who makes it right. All those different elements are unlocked with made to order. Um, but it also means that you've got a lot more levers to pull and, and knobs to, to twist around and whatever else. Uh, totally. But it's a, uh, no, I love, I love the way that we, we make things. Is there, is there any ever a time that you turn off the made to order and go to the traditional manufacturing mode or is it just always there, straight up made to order? It's always made to order. Um, you know, the only, the only time we've produced in batches for like, you know, events like American field where we need like an inventory for people to try shoes sure. on. That's about sure. it. Right. That's the only time we go towards any sort of standardized SKUs. Everything is made to order. For sure. Have you ever tried your hand at the manufacturing side? We have. Um, we have. We've worked with, you know, a couple of companies here and there um, to, to make them, you know, bags or a wallet or mm-hmm. some accessories, stuff like that. Um, it's interesting. It's a, it's a very different model. Um, right. It, it feels a little less fast paced, right. When you're made to order, you're, you're, you know, hustling right along, you know, we've got 10 days to, to get this thing to the customer. Right. You know, so we've got about seven days to manufacture all the other orders kind of in the backlog when you're doing larger 
batch production, um, you know, and we've only done this on a couple of occasions, uh, you can you can plan better, right? You're able to sure. say, okay, I know exactly how many units I need to produce so I can order these materials. I know their lead times, I can set expectations. This is how we're gonna build in production, shipping. It's just a, a longer process. Totally. Takes me back to um, a time when I, was, when I was working for a national grocery chain and I was a team leader in a bakery and I was the one pulling all the levers and pressing the buttons, but you put me in any of those production seats and I would be the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever, have you ever been on the production floor? I have, I have, um, this was, <laughs> do you want to talk about it or not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm talking to it with my therapist, but we'll, we'll okay. We can okay. Do it here, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's interesting, right? You know, you're, you're kind of all hands, especially around this season, right? Where we're, we're kind of in our peak season producing, sure. uh, lots and lots of shoes. So, you know, in, in some of those times where we've been either short staffed or, or caught off guard or whatever, by increasing sales, you know, I'll jump down there. Other people will jump in there. Um, I've worked on like a die cut machine, which is basically a giant cookie. Yeah. Just a giant cookie cutter. Um, I did a bad job and was told (laughs) that I should not keep doing that. That's good. (laughs) You know, that's uh, good for morale. That was one of my, people like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the boss can't do this. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I get that. Definitely get that. (laughs) So how about, uh, let's kind of revisit this topic about manufacturing overseas. And, And one thing that that we like to talk about on the podcast here that I like to bring up when I can, uh, obviously made in America is great. Obviously there's, mm-hmm. you know, ebb and flow of that movement as time goes on. And that's a really important value to me as a consumer, but it's really more of a piece of the puzzle than the whole puzzle. Um, yeah. and the reality is, um, I th- think it was in Austin at, at an AF event, uh, Luke who runs the, uh, partnerships with, with Taylor stitch. I asked him about, they're outsourcing. And he, he put it pretty bluntly. He was like, honestly, you can make things better, more efficiently, and sometimes more ethically mm-hmm. in other countries. And that's yeah. just as easy as it is. And that was like, okay, yeah. I like if, if I can trust that you do the research, then mm-hmm. that that's legitimate. Now, obviously you are there, right? So mm-hmm. we trust, we trust you, <laughs> you know, you've, you've done the research and <laughs> Uh, and you're an advocate for this. I wonder if you can speak to some of the advantages and some of the challenges of you know, <laughs> physically having an operation overseas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, speaking to your higher, higher level point, right. Of domestic manufacturing in the U S versus, versus manufacturing overseas. It, it has to do for us, at least like there, there is not the talent to do what we do in the United States period. Sure. Right. Yeah. There, there, I would, I would call out, you know, maybe a few hundred people with that skill set to the degree that our craftsmen have to hand make hand last footwear, right? There's footwear manufacturing in the U S it's highly mechanized. um, And, you know, I'm not going to call out any brands or anything like that, but uh, what is made in the USA is a a questionable percentage of what is actually made in the USA. Right. It's just Um, different. It's just just different. different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what I'd say is that the skill set just simply doesn't exist there to, to produce sure. and manufacture in the way in which we do. Um, so for us, it's, it makes sense for us to work overseas. Um, you know, some of the, some of the challenges of, of operating in a, in a foreign country are, you know, a lot of them are just kind of administrative um, for us, at least it's, it's the, you know, having, having the legal entity here and ensuring that we're abiding by 
you know, all of the different regulations, rules and whatever else that are in country, ensuring we're, we're up to snuff and, and meeting all standards. Um, it's something that you can do by working with in-country partners, ensuring that you're, you know, meeting all those levels. Luckily, the way that we operate from our mentality, we just by nature exceed all the expectations or, or regulations on that front. Being sure. an ethical company that is looking to pay people very well, um, ensure consistent employment, ensure, you know, equitable opportunity, all the above. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I would say that um, some of the, some of the other challenges there would be, uh, you know, material access. Um, and I think mostly cultural elements sure. can be a bit challenging, sure. um, especially when it comes to things like providers, right? Um, you know, I'm, my expectation is that when you tell me it will be here in two weeks, that it will be here in two weeks. And that two weeks doesn't actually mean a month and a half to three months, right? So right. that's the, those are some of the elements yeah. that you kind of learn over time that, okay, you know, is this, is this two weeks, two weeks, or is this two weeks, different timing? Sure. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it makes me think of it when we do, uh, like, there's a, a whole logistical process that goes along with doing a pop-up event in a city oh, yeah. we've never been to before. <laughs> Um, and that's from finding the right people to rent tables from, to how do you close the street off in this city to, you know, <laughs> somebody wants to give samples of their food product. What does the health code look like? Mm -hmm. Uh, what, but that's all in one country, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> operate more or less on the same, uh, the same norms, the same standards. Uh, sure. that's gotta be a pretty insane learning yeah. curve. Uh, yeah, definitely a steep learning curve, but you know, thankfully we've, we have lots of in-country partners, people that are, are able to help us and, and kind of, you sure. know, make sure we're, we're doing all those things by the book. Um, totally. But definitely, definitely a steep learn. Totally. Sounds like this lifestyle that you live is, is very much catered towards the way that, uh, that you live your life and that that works for you. Would you, would you recommend that move for anyone? Um, whew, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. It depends on how much you like stress. Uh, right. Okay. It's okay. It's a, that entrepreneurial lifestyle is very much part of it. Um, uh -huh. Right. So, you know, while it may be sunny and beautiful and, and this incredible country, you know, at the end of the day, uh, internally, I think to myself on a regular basis, like, Hey, how effective I am at my job is directly impacting the incomes of 80 of our, our employees, right. Our sure. 80 craftsmen here. Um, and not to mention their, two, three children and mm -hmm. their spouse and their extended family that they live with, et cetera. And, and when you kind of think about that and internalize that, it really, you know, it kind of drives you to, to want to work very hard. Um, sure. So those elements can, can be a bit of the, the offsetting element to the, the beauty and majesty of, of living in a, in a glorious country and, and sure. whatever else. But uh, you know, you kind of have the, the, the flip side of the coin of there's a lot of responsibility and challenge, and you want to make sure that you're uh, you're providing folks with, the lifestyle that they want as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, responsibility is, is, uh, the word for it. I think that's whether you're, whether you're here or you're there, that's, uh, that's cool to hear that come from, uh, come out of, out of your mouth. Cause that's maybe not a thing that happens so much in the States. When you think of it at a really, really, really big level, sure. you know, you think of people that make billions of, yeah, billions yeah, of dollars. Yeah. It's a, it's a different mindset. Sure. And, and, yeah. Like you say, it's just a totally, totally different world, but it's really not all that dissimilar. 
that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, for us, for us, one of the things that was that was interesting and in like how we kind of built the company and started, it, it really could have been any product, right? Sure. The idea was we wanna we wanna have a mission driven organization, a mission driven company that is actively is doing economic development better. Um, you know, myself and Peter had had experiences working with nonprofits where the impact was too narrow, too focused. Sure. It didn't have long-term, you know, range or effect. So, you know, we thought, all right, what if we do this model differently? And that's, that's the idea, right? Is, you know, we always kind of come back to this. Are we positively impacting people's lives? Are we making their lives better through, you know, this product that we're, we're creating and selling, right? And the goal is to to build that thing, to build that model, to show it as an example to other companies, to to do economic development in a in a different way. Very very cool. Well, you say you say it could be anything, but it's not. You landed on footwear, and I want to close out talking about <laughs> what, what are you wearing these days. Uh, a, you know your your top pick, uh, and and B, what sure. do you recommend the people look into if they've never uh, never been on your website before? Right. All right. So, so right now I'm wearing the Havanas, but I'm wearing a prototype pair of Havanas. Um, Ooh, we're working on guy. a, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're working on some, you know, and this is by customer request, some more um, kind of rugged winterized kind of, you know, stroll through the, the Northeast slush uh, cool. kind of footwear. I get um, that. So we've got a few prototypes that'll probably probably come out in Q1 of next year. Um, cool. Some new products that'll kind of fit that bill. Um, so I'm okay. wearing a, a pair of those right now, testing them out. What, what kind um, of silhouette? In terms of, can, you, can, yeah. can you hint what kind of silhouette that yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. So it's building off of, um, for the men's, it's building off of our Havana um, okay. that we have on our website. It's a kind of a, a classic um, like service boot style. Okay. Um, cool. Just, you know, with some more aggressive components and waterproofing and whatever else to, nice. to make it really, really durable. Cool. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a great style. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. In terms of recommendations, um, you know, we've got, uh, let's see, we're, we're going to be coming out with some additional moccasins as well. So keep your eyes peeled for those. Um, cool. but our, our cozy moccasin is one of my favorites. Um, it's just fleece lined and super soft, super, super Dang. comfy. Um, as you're starting to head into that winter season, you know, something yeah. really comfy. Totally beats. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing Crocs right now. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> like I, I admit that on here way too often. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely beats beats them. Oh man. Well, I uh, I appreciate your time. I'm glad that we carved out a little time to uh, to connect together. Where is the best place for folks to follow up with the brand and learn more if, uh, if they're interested? Yeah, yeah. So you can head to our website. That's AdelanteShoes.com, um, or you can find us on Instagram at Adelante Shuko. Amazing. Love it. Well, uh, next time that you're, you're stateside, you find yourself in the Northeast, uh, maybe, maybe we'll connect at one of these AF events in the future. And if not, maybe I'll catch you down there sometime. All right. Doors open. Love it, man. Cool. We'll talk again soon. Thanks again for your time. All right. Thanks. You have a good one. Bye-bye. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block a distinctly crafted destination found 